Hi, and welcome to the Kelowna Girl Tries Podcast. I'm Barb, and this is episode 91, Sunday, March 20th, 2011. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Kelowna Girl Ties podcast. Hey, here it is Sunday afternoon, and I'm kind of chipper because I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Yep, I just started the beginning of two weeks of spring break, and man, is it much needed right now. The only downside of it is I have a really mother of a cold right now. I would say uh, it started to hit me Tuesday afternoon as the day went on. I could feel it coming on, and... uh, just a sore throat and achy, to start feeling achy all over as the day went on. And uh, we had a really busy day. I didn't get home till close to 11 on Tuesday. So uh, I was no way I was able to run that day. And I decided I was going to run Wednesday instead. But uh, Wednesday I was just feeling crappy. And I decided, well, I'm going to get out there and try it anyways. Jamie Bull on uh, Twitter had just posted a comment saying how uh, he felt didn't feel like running and he went out and ran anyways and he felt great and I thought you know maybe I should go try it but uh, after about I don't know 15 minutes or so oh my head just started to throb and I just felt worse and worse as I was out there so I knew it was time to come in and uh, I only got two and a half k whoop tea do so Thursday and Friday I was just finishing up work last few days of work and this a whole week has just been a complete bomb it's just been a total bomb every day I just start feeling worse and worse and uh <clears throat> excuse me yesterday yesterday was our anniversary so um I just took it easy all day and I, I contemplated I was I was actually supposed to do my lactate threshold yesterday with uh with my local friend Rob Swan who is critical speed coach and uh yeah we'd set up a lactate threshold test on the bike for yesterday afternoon and you know I just talked to him on Friday I said you know I'm just coming down with this cold and I'm really not feeling my best I could probably do it but I don't know if I'll be doing very well and he said no wait till you're better so he's gone out of town for biathlon championships he's a provincial biathlon coach and he's headed back to I think New Brunswick to finish up the nationals and then uh, when he gets back in about 10 days uh, I'm going to go back get back together with him and we'll do the lactate threshold test so um, that I'll be reporting on that It'll be kind of cool just a few days after my race so I'm pretty bummed that this week is was should have been a second week of base three training and I've done nothing and I just I mean I know okay it's not important I know I have to look after myself I know I have to take care of myself but I get so choked when I have to miss a week of training and right now um, it's Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon and I'm feeling so much worse than I even was a few days ago. I find it hard to believe I'm going to be able to get myself, you know, doing any kind of decent training for at least two or three more days. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm going to try not to sniff, snort and cough too much. All right. Um, I'm going to keep the show fairly short. I have a couple things I want to talk about and, uh, uh, and a really a uh, couple of cool things I want to share with you an email and also uh, a wonderful piece of writing from uh, sweet daddy D that uh, he sent that's been uh, I'll, I'll mention that later on anyways I'll play that at the end uh, one of the things I want to talk about this week and it's something I've been thinking a lot about is uh, the whole idea about 
Well, I guess it sort of stemmed from thinking about recovery and the importance of recovery and recovery time and recovery days. And uh, then the whole idea of overtraining. And then I, and I've been thinking a lot about, yeah, I'm really curious to know the incidence of OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder with uh, triathletes and particularly people who do, do Ironman. I, I was contemplating in my mind that it must be, I'm going to guess that for people that, you know, or even people that do a lot of marathons and stuff, I'm wondering if there are a, a sort of a higher percentage of people with OCD who do endurance sports. Just something I was curious about. Kind of stemmed from uh, originally from a uh, a friend who uh, I know that has done a lot of, uh, he's done Ironman three or four times and he is actually clinically diagnosed with OCD. Not just, a lot of us just say, oh, I'm kind of OCD or I'm being obsessive about things when we're not really clinically um, or medically diagnosed, but <laughs> this friend is, and he's done Ironman, and uh, he found that uh, f- for the years that he was training for Ironman, uh, no problem, he could do those races just amazingly, and then uh, eventually he decided to take medication for his um, OCD, and as soon as he started taking medication, he just had no longer had the drive to do Ironman and Ironman training anymore, and I, I always thought that was kind of interesting, and um, when I, I Googled it today, just, you know, obsessive tendencies and triathlon, and I found tons of information out there. It's all, a lot of it was speculation, but uh, on a lot of the forums I found um, where people would, you know, just had thrown it out as a topic, and do you have uh, sort of obsessive tendencies? Uh, and, you know, how does that, if so, you know, what are they in? related to triathlon it was really interesting how many people admitted to having obsessive tendencies I know for myself I I do um get I I do have obsessive tendencies I don't have um I don't have OCD and, and none of the things that I do were really affect my day-to-day living in any negative way but um, when I get excited about something or really hooked into something I just go I go all out and I become kind of I will say obsessed with that and everything in my life revolves around that, you know, and, uh, right now this is a good thing to be, to be involved in and it means fitness. And so it's got lots of positive side effects. So it's not a negative thing, but I'm kind of curious to know, um, you know, how many of you out there, well, I, I, you know, you probably don't want to share, but if, if you have, if anybody out there has OCD, um, actually diagnosed OCD, I'd be curious to know, um, you know, how that affects your training and, and are you able to take medication? And if not, uh, you know, how how that affects your training as well. <clears throat> but um, anyways, apart from that, um, I know lots of us do have sort of obsessive tendencies when it comes to trying to get our workouts done. Some of us are obsessed with data. Some of us are ase- obsessed with making sure every little detail is planned down to the... Uh, down to the wire and uh, maybe for a race and and probably some things that bug us a lot and other things that don't bug us at all uh, some people are obsessed with making sure every little aspect of their bike you know you can't have to have your bike parked a certain way and have to have it cleaned after every single ride things like that and uh and usually it's just specific things but uh it also obviously fits into your training and so that kind of leads me into my um topic which and and I'm not going to suggest that I'm really knowledgeable about this. It's just things that I've been kind of mulling around in my mind. Uh, you know, at what point does a passion 
for a sport or a passion for anything really become an unhealthy um, passion or an unhealthy obsession and at one at one point does it start to impact in a negative way and I guess part of it could be just the impact on your body in in overtraining that you just can't skip a workout uh, you have trouble listening to your body when when your body needs rest you're just obsessed with having to follow the training plan exactly as it is and you can't stray from it um, or perhaps uh, you can't bear to have a day off. You're you're too worried that if you take a day off or you take a rest week, cut back, that uh, you're going to lose fitness too much and you become obsessed with that. Um, or it could be that just all your training, maybe your body takes all that ex- excessive training just fine, but uh, it starts to impact on your family life or your friends. And uh, maybe you're losing friends or, you know, it's impacting on your your spouse and how does all that training uh you know affect your family and you know i think it takes for the if it's if you're you bleh, sorry that was poorly worded but if you're you're in a healthy place where it's a passion but you still are able to pull back and 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 see the big picture uh you know i think that it's okay you can take back take the time that you need with your family and you know how to have balance in your life and I think balance is really really important you also have to be able to listen to your body and pay attention to what it's telling you and then respond to that and say you know it's okay I need to take a rest from this um, from this workout or I need my legs no you're not feeling quite quite good enough today and I think I need to to cut back on that run that I was planning I know for me, um, that will never be an issue. I'm never going to be obsessive to my training to do it when I don't feel like it. I, If anything else, I'm probably just, just too lazy to... I, I like having a rest day. I love training. Don't get me wrong. But when I have a rest day, I'm like, I'm super happy. Oh, yeah. I get to sit down on my butt and relax and just enjoy enjoy the day. And uh, after a couple of days, I'm chomping at the bit to get out for a run or a bike. But I have no problem taking rest days. And uh, I'm really getting way better at understanding my body and being able to read and see how I feel and um, and uh, be able to judge whether or not it's a time to cut back a little bit. And so I thought I'd talk a little bit about some of the symptoms of overtraining. And whether or not you're obsessive or not is really irrelevant. You could still be, um, you know, you still could be overtraining. And uh, there are a number of different things uh, you can look at to sort of just make a decision whether or not you are overtraining. <clears throat> and some of the people that sort of are the most likely to overtrain would be people that are new to the sport, uh, people that are older, like myself. Um, you know, you just take, we, I, most older athletes are going to need a little more recovery time. Um, or if you're like me where you've started late, you're a late bloomer and you didn't start doing triathlon until you were older. Um, and probably people, I would guess that, uh, work full-time, particularly women who work full-time have kids and are also training, or if you have obsessive tendencies and you really just can't say no and you always have to get out there or you're maybe a little bit, um, competitive and you train with other people and you tend to train harder than you're supposed to for any particular race. So, uh, overtraining is when athletes train too much and you get problems that start to crop up with your nervous system, your endocrine system, and your immune system. So I think we all know that uh, when we're out there training and we do a really hard workout, your body produces um, chemicals 
and uh, that cause a stress hormone called cortisol into your blood. And when you have high levels of cortisol, your your immune system is um, can be a little uh, weak, I guess it's not the word I wanted, but uh, your your immune system is down and you're more likely to, to get sick and catch colds. <clears throat> she says as she sniffs, snorts, and coughs, I have to tell you, I've had two colds this year and uh, given for a teacher who teaches in elementary school with seven and eight-year-olds, that is really, really good to be able to have two colds in a year. And uh, unfortunately for me, both of them were to do with um, on Christmas break and spring break, and that sucks. Uh, a lot of times teachers find that as soon as they take the time off, they re- they just suddenly relax after being go, 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 go right up until a break. That's when there's their immune system breaks down too. So <clears throat> it could have been a little bit of everything. But anyways, we've got this uh, extra cortisol in our system and our, our immune system is down and, and we're much more likely to, to catch things. So that's one of the things. But uh, other symptoms can include be feeling really lethargic and f- fatigued, uh, more more so than normal, and, and maybe after a day or so off, you still feel that way. Um, you have more aches and pains in your body, sore muscles and joints, um, things that are, you know, like beyond the normal that would be after you have a hard workout, you might feel stiff and sore for a day or two, and then you get back, right? But if it's continuing, um, often people have sleep disturbances, so you're really having trouble sleeping and you're very fatigued. Uh, you may have a loss of appetite or a, w- a sudden weight loss that's not making sense. Um, you could be uncharacteristically clumsy or have decreased co- uh, coordination. And a lot of these symptoms that I'm reading <clears throat> that I'm telling you right now are just things I've read off various websites with a list of... Uh, um, this one's happens to be from Triathletes World uh, website. Um, and a lot of these things, you can probably find that you're not making any gains in your in your training anymore. You've been you were kind of plateaued, and no matter how hard you go, you're just not seeing any improvement. And it could start to be declining over weeks or months. And if you keep going when you're in that uh, position, that you can end up doing pretty serious damage to your body, and it takes a long time to uh, get get over it. <coughs> Uh, another thing this website, particular website I'm talking about uh, mentions is talking about how it not only affects your body but it also affects your mind. It can cause you to be irritable, moody, or even depressed. And um, it, it says, and if those don't grab your attention, this will. Overtraining can lead to a diminished sex drive and sexual performance. Uh, so, but loss of appetite, mood changes, cranky, not feeling good, that whole thing, and that's um, sort of over a longer period of time. So, you know, I, I guess it's something to think about. If you kind, if you find that you just feel like you have to go, 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 uh, what, you know, what can you do about it and how, how can you recognize it and, and perhaps avoid it? So having an adequate recovery uh, after workouts and taking those rest days and listening to your body and knowing that it's, you know, you don't make any kind of gains in your fitness while you are working out. They only come while you are re- recovering from the workout. So the workout breaks down your body. It puts this cortisol into your body. It causes you know lowered immune system. You've broken down your muscles. And now you have to rest and, and uh, let your body recover before you can go and do it all over again. So if you're doing back-to-back hard workouts every time and not having 
uh, rest workouts in between. You know, that's um, that's another thing that's going to not only that it can ultimately cause injury as well. So uh, one of the things you have to remember is sort of make your hard days hard and your easy days easy, like pathetically easy. Um, so I guess it's kind of interesting, something to think about, something to to have in your mind. Um, one of the things I noticed in, and I guess part of the reason that also gave me an idea to talk about this is in the coaching chips tips, coaching tips for base three training in my in the book that I'm reading by Joe Friel. <coughs> he has this little section about your mindset and uh, that whole idea about. Um, he says, well, let me just uh, just read this section to you. He says, are you obsessive or highly motivated? Answer these questions. Do you drive yourself to complete workouts even when you're tired, injured, or sick? Do you find it very difficult to take a day off from training? When you do take time off, is there an overwhelming feeling of guilt? Or do you add extra workouts or time to your training plan? So if you've answered yes to any of these questions, you may have moved beyond a healthy motivation to becoming obsessed with exercise. And he goes on and he said to talk about how uh, obsessive behavior is not healthy and it's not going to help you become a better athlete. In fact, it'll prevent you from che- achieving your race goals. And uh, not only that, you know, it's obviously going to start to affect your family life and sometimes you have to really sit down and be very, very... Um, honest with yourself about how your your obsession is affecting you. One of the things that I learned about in a workshop I went to recently on recovery, and it was really interesting, and I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it next week with some of the things they talked about, but it was put on at a local physiotherapy place called Wave Physiotherapy in Kelowna, and I went because uh, my friend, uh, Coach Rob Swan, was uh, going to be presenting at it, as well as uh, another friend, uh, Olympic athlete Melindy Elmore, and uh, two physiotherapists, uh, uh, Greg Redman, who is uh, coached to the Canadian, one of the Canadian Olympic teams, I think it was rowing, and the then uh, Martha Serveden, I think that's how you pronounce her name, and she's a local physiotherapist as well, uh, very experienced. And they put on a great free wor- recovery workshop where every, each of four of them gave their presentation on the topic, and it was really interesting to see it from a lot of different points of view. Next week I'm going to share some of those things I learned, and uh, hopefully that will help you out. But uh, one of the things that they'd mentioned was was something called a, a Rusco heart rate test. And I've heard of this before, and there's all sorts of ways of being able to determine uh, whether or not you're overtraining or not. But this one, I guess, is one of the um, simplest things that you can do. So first of all, you need to put on a heart rate monitor. And, I mean, you don't have to do it with a heart rate monitor. You could do it, you know, just by um, holding your hand up to your carotid and checking it, but you're counting. But a uh, heart rate monitor is the best way if you've got one. And uh, it's best to do it first thing in the morning, but um, it says on here as long as you lie st- still for like 10 minutes or so. So you get your heart rate monitor and on in the morning, as soon as you wake up, stick, strap it on, lay in bed, and just totally relax your body. And then turn on your heart rate monitor and um, the last, you want to, I think I'm, I haven't tried it yet, but uh, you get your, your average heart rate over a two minute period. 
Then you stand up immediately with the heart rate monitor on and your heart rate when you stand up will suddenly spike and you take note of your heart rate exactly 15 seconds after you stand up. And then you stay standing in that position for two full minutes and then you can stop your heart rate monitor. And uh, I think if you hit the lap button uh, after two minutes of lying down, after 15 seconds of the first standing up point, and then another two minutes, um, you look at those three numbers. And what you'll find, they say, is that over over a period of time, the, your pattern of it of your average heart rate lying down, the peak, and then the standing heart rate will have a very very set pattern and that's pretty well your normal your normal um, beats per minute and so if you do that for over a period of time and then uh, you'll start to notice that if it's the same all the time then on a day when you're actually fatigued and and need to have rest your standing heart rate or your average heart rate when you're standing will have dr- gone up by anywhere from 8 to 10 minute beats above normal. Now I've heard of this doing this, just checking your resting heart rate and seeing if it's gone up and um, for the same kind of information. So if you wake up in the morning and your rest or resting heart rate is higher than it should be, kind of gives you a suggestion that maybe you either need to take it a little easier or you need to take a rest day. But uh, this was the first time I've heard of this RUSKO, R-U-S-K-O. So you can go and Google it and you'll find the information as well. You will have to put the word heart rate test in there as well just to get the full information. And I'll put a link to it as well because it's kind of interesting and I think I was thinking it might be kind of uh, fun to try it if I have an extra two and a half minutes every morning. No, four and a half minutes I guess to to sit there and go through it. won't work on a school work day for me though. So uh, that's one thing that you can do if you're not sure should I be doing a hard workout today. I'm feeling really tired or and you can't decide, you know, everybody, especially if you're out there with all the social media, you know, it's great to have all that uh, support from each other and helping you get out there when you're just feeling kind of like you're lazy and you just don't feel like going. Um, and then you're glad you did. You got that encouragement to get out there. But sometimes, you know, we can be forcing ourselves to do things when we really should be taking a rest. All right, so um, with that, you know, I would mentioned that I was going to talk about that this week on my last show, and I got a great email from a listener, and in this situation, I'm not going to tell you her name, she asked me not to, but I will read what she said. She said, it's definitely time to write you after listening to your latest podcast. Um, I heard you mentioning about exercising in an unhealthy way, and I thought I would tell you about my experience. Exercising has always been my favorite means of coping with stress and calming down. I'm good at self-discipline and pushing myself hard, but not good at listening to my body. I started triathlon 18 months ago, and I really enjoyed the challenge and the sense of achievement. I enjoyed the whole sport, learning all I could and making great plans. I did four sprints last season, and so I plan to do Olympic distances this year and an Ironman by the time I'm 50. Right now I'm 46. I push myself hard, getting up at 5 a.m. to train because of my family and work commitments, and squeezing sessions into gaps between my kids' activities, even when I felt very tired. Listening to my body seemed unimportant. But since Christmas, I've had huge stresses at work. I continued to train hard in order, I thought, to cope. 
On February 10th, I hit a 10K personal best of 52 minutes. I was trying to still keep up with the long bike rides and three swims a week while ensuring I had kept up to date with my studying and my family all the time and the care they needed. And then, on the 16th of February, after a particularly traumatic day at work, something in my body gave up. I could not train anymore. In one week, I went from my fastest running time to not being able to jog for five minutes. I've had a wall of tiredness that I cannot push through. It is overwhelming. I've been off work for a month now, resting, and I'm not getting much better. I've been going for very gentle swims and jogs, but the tiredness I hit the tiredness wall after 10 minutes. Looking back, I should have seen it coming. I was heading for burnout, but I hooked into living on adrenaline. I had some pride at being able to handle it all. I have lessons to learn now about listening to myself and managing stresses differently. I am not superwoman. I am limited and I have to live differently. My work situation is still dreadful and needs to be resolved before I can return. I think I need to see this experience as a positive time to assess my life and the way I use exercise and find a new way of doing it all in a healthy, balanced way. And uh, she goes on to say about she enjoys the show. So anyways, I want to thank her very, very much for sharing that. You know, it takes a lot to, to share that with other people as well. But it's something that we can all really learn from. And uh, even if, you know, she had this, this you know, family and then really difficult work situation and then some serious overtraining and that all together, you know, caused caused the problems for her. And I think that, you know, even if you're, you feel like your work maybe is fine and everything's fine at work, but, uh, you know, it, it can still be a combination of different things that can happen that can just kind of push you over the edge. <clears throat> And uh, and it's going to affect you physically. So I really, really appreciate that she sent that out. And hopefully, you know, some of us can take back, kind of step back and look at uh, where you're at and maybe see some parallels and kind of catch yourself before it gets too much. You know, you get really excited when you get into uh, a new sport sometimes. And especially I know a lot of beginners listen to this show. And some of you might be going, oh, my gosh, I'm not anywhere near that because, you know, it's hard enough to, to go work out for 20 minutes a day or something. But, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly sometimes you can get into um, that, that habit and uh, get hooked into it. And you see some improvements and you just want to keep getting better. And if I, if I go faster and I go harder, or maybe you're training with people who are uh, really seasoned athletes and you're working really hard to keep up with them. Or you're a woman and training with your husband trying to keep up with him. So, uh, you know, I think it's something that we should all sort of take stock of. And hopefully that'll help, help you, you know, kind of think through. And it, it helped me to accept this week the fact that even though this is supposed to be a really hard week of training for me, uh, I just have to listen to my body. I feel like crap and I can't really, if I get out there and start trying to do some kind of hard uh, long run or something, I'm going to uh, end up, you know, I could end up with an infection, I need antibiotics. I got to get healthy because next weekend is my race. And, you know, I just figure I'm just going to go into it really well rested, right? Okay. So I wanted to thank her very much for that. Uh, I'm going to finish with um, a short story. And it was written by Doug, who is Sweet Daddy D, and uh, narrated, actually read to us by Mark, who's Bama Runner. And just I really, really enjoyed it. And it's called If These Shoes Could Talk. So if you'd, uh, oh, you know, before I play it, I just realized I want to also give a shout out to Karen D, who uh, sent me a really nice message on Facebook. Uh, 
and uh, a couple of people who have posted things in the Kelowna Girl Tries or KG Tries podcast listeners Facebook group and also on the Run Try Chat um, group I've uh, got uh, quite a few people who have thrown out iTunes reviews for that one and oh got to send a shout out to Petra she also sent me a nice message and uh, I want to thank her because she drew my attention to the fact that I had a couple of iTunes reviews in the UK and unless I log into each country individually on iTunes I don't even know that so uh, one was from from her and from Jim somebody named Jim Gee, I wrote it down I forgot he had a Jim something something. Oh, dang, I should have checked it over. Anyways, shout out to both of them. Thank you so much, you guys, for those uh, iTunes reviews I hadn't even seen, so appreciate that. If you want to get a hold of me, it's colonagirl at gmail.com, K-E-L-O-W-N-A-G-U-R-L. And uh, you can check out my blog at colonagirl.com, and from there you'll find links to all of the other places that you can find me, like Twitter and Daily Mile and Facebook, as well as the show notes for this show. So uh, if you have a great week, and uh, next week should be my race report. Uh, Eric's doing the 10K. I'm doing the half marathon. And oh, my God, I totally forgot to give you my one training update. Last Sunday, went out, did the pretty much the entire route for the half marathon. And my goal was a two and anywhere to run from two to two and a half hours. I, was, I kept a really nice steady pace. Uh, I kept my heart rate in zone two. I was feeling really good. Eric and I ran together. And I was finding my pace again was pretty quick, you know, relatively speaking, in the same heart rate zone. So I was doing uh, six and a half minute kilometers and six fifteens. I climbed the hill really strongly. Like I just felt great. I went up that hill faster than I ran on the flats, to be honest with you. And my heart rate was way up when I ran up the hill, but that was okay. I ran down the hill. That kind of hurt because it's a really steep, short downhill. And then uh, in the middle of my my case I was feeling a little bit tired and I kind of slowed down a bit and then I picked it up again we did the whole thing uh 21.1k and I the last 3k I said you know I could see that I was getting really really close to what my goal time was and so I thought you know we've got to pick it up because I'm feeling good so I I picked it up a minute I I went around a minute per kilometer faster than I had been running, which was about, I was running, running like 5.45 a kilometer. It's about a 9, 15 minute mile, something like that. And that was my fast run, not my slow one. And uh, so I ran those last 3K, just pounding it. Felt awesome. Finished in two hours and just under two hours and 15 minutes, which is a 10 minute PR from my actual half marathon that I did down in uh, Victoria last October. And that was just a training run. So uh, my goal next Sunday is to do that again, to do a 215-ish, might be 220. Now, it's going to be hard to tell because I'm, I haven't run for almost a week and, you know, this having this cold may affect it. And if it does, that's okay. I'm okay and I'm ready to accept that it could be a two and a half hour half marathon. That's okay. But if I can run 215, I'll be really happy. The only difference is I've got a tweak in there is the fact that I'm going to have to stop and fill up my water bottle uh, halfway and I didn't count that in the training run time because when I stopped on my training run my Garmin stopped but when I race I don't turn off my Garmin so hopefully I don't have to pee either so anyways uh, super ecstatic about that my legs were tired but not hurting too badly after that and uh, I think you know geez I think things are going just swimmingly 
So that's it. Uh, kind of a hodgepodge of a show today, but uh, I think we're going to end it on a nice note. If these shoes could talk. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. These Shoes Could Talk by Doug Rice, also known as Sweet Daddy D69. I was sitting on the bumper of my Jeep after a hard run one day, and I started thinking back when I first got this maddening disease we call running. I looked down at my badly worn shoes and thought to myself, these shoes could talk, the tales they could tell. And that got me to thinking of all the things we have been through and have seen together. They could tell you about the day we started out. We went out for an eighth of a mile jog at the end of my street, then stopped and headed back to the house for a couple of hostess ding-dongs and a couple of beers, all the while enjoying our reward on the couch, of course. First workout in the books. Bring on the second workout. More beer, right? Boy, was I wrong. As the days went on, the outings got easier. Now, I'm wrapping my head around that maybe, just maybe, I'm a real runner. Except for these clothes, what's up with this? They look like my throwbacks from my college dorm room days. Cotton sweatpants, cotton shirt, cotton underwear, cotton socks. You see the pattern? And I'm wondering why I'm chafing. Now for shopping. As I emerge from my newly found friends from the specialized running store in town, all decked out with my new running clothes, especially made for our crazy sport. Spandex this, Lycra that, polyester everything, and an Iron Man Timex. They didn't have Garmin watches back then. I think out loud for once in my life, I'm starting to feel like a real runner. I wish I could go back there again, being a newbie. Like a new pair of shoes with not even a mile on them yet. Where everything is still new and exciting. Now don't get me wrong, things are still exciting here in the present day, or I wouldn't be doing this. What I mean is, like the first time a newbie feels the feeling, you know the one, when your feet, your body, your mind, and your breathing all come together and you experience the proverbial runner's high. I have felt that a couple of times. It was the most astronomical feeling I have ever felt in my entire life. It's like you are floating outside your own body, watching yourself run. Now that's better than any drug you will ever get on the street. As a newbie runner, you are experiencing things for the first time. Questions after questions, blisters, chafing, when to drink water, when to do electrolyte drinks come into play. Worrying about not enough water or too much water, and with too much water you are sloshing through your runs. When to take gels, when to eat before a run, little aches and pains which I like to call growing pains, and one of the biggies as a newbie, what to tell your family at Christmas and Thanksgiving, the excuses you can use to sneak out of the house and go for a quick run. Then when you get back from your run, having to explain to your family why you run, and you will be explaining it to everyone that really doesn't get it anyway. Now the comments start coming, especially from the people that supposedly love you. You steadily hear, the only way I'm running is if there's a bear chasing me. And if that statement wasn't enough, it is followed by their vulgar hyena laughter. Shut up, Grandpa, the zoo is only a mile away. You may get your wish yet, just saying. <laughs> if these shoes could talk, they would tell you of the way you hold your head up now going into the doctor's office, knowing that you have lost weight again. Instead of slinking in like you just broke the neighbor's window with a baseball, like when you were a kid. And what a joy it is to find your cholesterol is in check. 
blood pressure is better, you are slowly getting off your medications one by one and your clothes fit loose for the first time in a long time. As you get older in your running life, people around you start to understand that it's just a part of you and that running keeps you sane. No more explaining why you get up early on vacations and run the stairs because the plan said hills, but it's lightning outside, or head for the treadmill, or find a park in an unfamiliar town and running the .75 mile walking trail each time coming around seeing your family that's playing on the playground nearby, and yelling, I've got to get in my six miles today, the marathon plan says so. As you hear your four-year-old ask your wife, is daddy crazy? Or the times we have shirked our runs outside because of ice and snow, wind chills in the minus digits, and headed for the indoor track instead. Which, by the way, is 12 times around equals one mile, and you have 10 miles to cover. Because the plan says so. No, I'm not crazy. I'm a runner. If these shoes could talk, they would tell you of the great runs we have experienced running through parks, stepping in goose poop, dog poop, and whatever else kind of poop you can imagine, hurdling baby diapers. Also, while out running, we slog through the spit, the mud, the blood, and the beer that we have gotten on our shoes. Running through summer rainstorms, running through snowstorms, and some have been almost blizzard-like conditions. These are the runs we love. Not only do we enjoy them, but we tell others about them just to hear their reactions. You did what? In this weather? You're crazy, dude. No, I'm a runner. If these shoes could talk, they would tell of the runs that we have taken through some of our national battlefield sites that our great United States of America has to offer. And that is just a part of our country's history and how sad we felt as we put our miles in thinking silently to ourselves that why as a nation do we have to destroy so much to learn a simple lesson, love one another, as if the person standing next to you is a brother or a sister. Our runs take us through towns that we may never, ever step foot in again, but we surely enjoy them when we are there. Going through the downtown shopping districts with all the hustle and bustle of a Saturday morning. Going through neighborhoods that all the houses on the block were built back in the 1800s and just admiring the craftsmanship to a point of almost getting run over or tripping off the curb. But we can't forget the bad runs also. If these shoes could talk, they would say they are part of our life and they are the type of runs which have made us stronger, more determined, a lot wiser, and that we may learn from them to move forward in our training for our next tough runs that may lie ahead of us. The extreme heat comes to mind, like frying an egg on my forehead type hot. The ultimate hilly course that a friend said, nah, it's just rolling hills. Come on, you'll love it. And when you get back home and plug the data into your computer, then you realize and see, it looks like the Tour de France race course going through the Alps. The night runs that are infested with gnats, flies, and mosquitoes that you suck more down your throat than are biting you. Falling and injuring yourself and having to hobble back to your car or worse, someone has to bring you back. Runs that because of the type of terrain or busy streets you have to constantly watch for cars trying to hit you, roots, and slippery rocks. Yeah, sure, these type of runs take more energy physically and mentally 
but they are preparing you to always enjoy your easy runs and never pass up a bad run. The type of run I speak of also teach us that there is no such thing as a bad run. Because if you didn't get out the door and try, you would never grow as a runner. If these shoes could talk, they would tell you of all the miles we have traveled, not only by foot, but by plane and car to get to our destinations to tow the line. Like the time we flew to Arizona to run a race and then got back home just a few short weeks later to hop in the car to travel to Kentucky to another race with friends. Now that's running. Our running friends are no ordinary people. They share the same passion for running as you do. So they understand if you two are running along one day and you say, oh no, I've got to use the bathroom. They know exactly what you are feeling and more than likely will be searching for a store or porta john if in a town or the next big tree if out in the country before you get the words out of your mouth. Running friends know you better than your family. They know what will upset your stomach, how bad you smell after a 14-mile training run. If you grunt a certain way during a run, it means slow down. How many and what kind of gels it takes to make you spew. They get you. No one else does. Your co-workers don't. Your boss won't. But your running friends understand what it means when you've had a bad day and need to lace up your shoes and get lost in your thoughts for a couple of hours. If these shoes could talk, they would point out who else would you drop everything for and rearrange your schedule just so you could go run a race with them three to four states away and usually bunk with them in the same motel room, sharing the cost with your running friends, of course. All the while, your friends and family are like, okay, let me get this straight. You don't know these people that you are going to go meet. You've talked to them on the internet some. Aren't you afraid? Nah, I'll be okay, trust me. They've run some of the same race as I have. You've heard this before, haven't you? If these shoes could talk, they would tell you to cherish your running partners, whether it is of the two-legged kind or the four-legged kind, because just as in real life, sometimes you will blink and they are gone, gotten busy with their families, health reasons, job-related issues, the list could go on forever. My four-legged running partner is unable to run with me these days because of his arthritis in his hips. It saddens me because we both loved each other's company out on the trails. So just be prepared to go it alone some days. But going alone is not all that bad. The solitude, the peace of mind, knowing you can solve all kinds of life's problems while running solo, or as I like to put it, organizing the mayhem if I move this meeting here and move that this ahead of this, well, you get my point. Everything seems to fall into place. Seems like your mind just opens up and starts organizing on a run. If these shoes could talk, they would tell tales of all the crazy stuff we've seen and crazy stuff we've found on the run. Like the time I was running on this path at a nature reserve and just about got run over by a deer. It leaped out of nowhere. Like another time, I was at the same reserve and a squirrel and I had a dance-off competition while he was doing the mamba and I was doing the cha-cha. It just about ran up my leg. Then it had the balls to run up the tree beside me and flick its tail and chatter at me like wasn't watching where I was going. Jeez, Mr. Squirrel, I'd hate to be in your way. 
or the time I was running through this park and got on the other side of its boundaries toward a wooded area and out of nowhere this turkey appears beside me. It's like he wanted to race me. I'm like, what the hell? So I took off a little faster and the turkey sped up also. I'm like, okay, it's on, like Donkey Kong, baby. So I sped up a little more. It was staying right with me, not more than 10 feet beside me. We were neck and neck, or should I say, neck and waddle. I kept going, not paying him no mind, and I looked over, and he stopped a ways back. I was kind of sad that he didn't stay with me and at least finish the rest of the 10 miles I had to do that day. I've come upon parked cars with a couple of crazy teenagers doing what they do best in the back seat of a parked car. As I ran by the car, I tapped on the side window and screamed, you're doing it all wrong, and kept right on running, never missing my stride. I found a Pez dispenser full of Pez candy. They were a great pick-me-up on that run. Of course, money. I always find change here and there, but my biggest find was $30 all in ones along this one trail I run, which will be my secret. I don't know if the person that lost the money was heading to a strip club or what, but it was like an Easter egg hunt for me. I would be like, oh, there's one, oh, there's another, and another, and another. Keep your eyes open. You never know what you might find. If these shoes could talk, they would tell you of all the times we went out with a purpose. You know the ones. We've got this many miles to do and we better stick to the plan but also of the times we ran like a kid again with no particular place to go or any type of pace that we were keeping. We just ran happy, happy to be alive, happy we could still get out and do this exercise we love so much. If these shoes could talk, they would tell you of all the races we have entered, race some of them, fun run some of them with friends, and we've had a few PRs and a few nearly DNFs. My PRs are great, but being able to help a new runner out in a race to achieve their new PR, now that's what I'm talking about. There is nothing like seeing the elated, smiling runner coming across the finish line and you help them get there. As far as any DNFs, if I feel like I'm not going to make it, I slow to a crawl and walk it in. If these shoes could talk, they could tell you that all of us have a love-hate relationship with running as we do with anything in our lives. There are days when I can't wait to get out there and run to see how I've improved or what I need to work on the next time out. But there are those days where darkness creeps in. You just don't feel like lacing up your shoes. But once you do, the good feelings creep back into your soul and you get out there and persevere and enjoy your time running. If these shoes could talk, I'm afraid they might mention the times I've muttered the words I should hang up my shoes and try something else. My words would sting. I'm getting too old. I'm losing interest. Why am I doing this? But I always come back to them. I'm afraid they may also mention the time where I was in a very dark place in my life after my brother had died in a car accident at the age of 26. With my newborn baby boy that had just arrived two weeks after his death, my brother never got to meet his nephew. I was working 60 hours a week through this time period of my life and how I couldn't see past the next day or couldn't even fathom two days away. But I would welcome my shoes mentioning that we made it out of the darkness. I've seen a sliver of light ahead of me in that darkness. So I lace up my shoes and ran my way back out because isn't that what you do when you're a runner? If these shoes could talk, Oh, what tales they could tell. 
I'm not afraid to 